Welcome to Podcasting Experiments from the Creative Studio. Most podcasters stick with the normal podcasting practices, but you, you're different. You like to try different things. You do it like this, and then you break the mold. Now, in this fifth season, we're going to be talking with people that are doing something unique with their podcast. Maybe it's their format, their philosophy, their niche, whatever it is. We're going to find out what makes them tick. We're going to see what works and what doesn't. We'll see what we can learn and then be able to apply to our own podcast as well. You can visit our website at podcastingexperiments.com. All right. I'm definitely excited to be able to have Eric Price and Justin Jones with us today to be able to talk about their podcast and their podcasting journey. And so definitely excited to be able to have you guys. We're going to go ahead and start with Eric. Why don't you tell me how you got into podcasting to begin with? All right. This will overlap Justin's story a little bit, but okay, I actually got into podcasting, I think it was nine years ago now. It was my senior year of college and one of the Facebook groups we were in, One Million Black Students, people were talking about this idea of, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could create an internet radio station? It was kind of that era where streaming sites and all that stuff was just beginning to pop up. Podcasts were kind of a thing, but it was still in something of techier realm. And so kind of out of that idea... I was kind of the person who, whenever someone had an idea, I would go looking and say, hey, this is how you could do it. The problem with that is when you tell people, hey, this is how you could do it. Everyone then turns and looks at you and goes, so you should do it because you figured it out, which was not what I had planned on. But we figured it out. We went and actually got a talk shoe account and I was able to set up kind of Internet soft phone to dial into it and I had to run that through different audio program. So the audio quality was awful. It didn't sound particularly good at all, but it's how we got the first show out there. And I actually rediscovered the audio for it maybe like a year ago. And it is a big, scratchy, partially discernible mess. But it is how it all got started and actually I think the first or second episode just was on with me and we pretty much have been podcasting together off and on since for the past eight, nine years now. Okay, excellent. Justin, what would you add to your side of that story? That's actually, Eric says overlap, not so much an overlap as it is just one single line. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how it started because Eric and I were friends of the group. We were really close and The idea came up, and so we worked it out. And I think we both had the idea that the other would do the hosting and we would just fall back and do production. We kind of still have that idea. Like our grand vision is us not actually recording anymore and just giving people the tools to create the content, host the content, publish the content. We just sit back like, yes, you guys be the face. There you go. (laughs) Get to work. We keep bringing in new people and it still hasn't worked. (laughs) I'm like, wait, no, that's not what the plan was. (laughs) But no, it's been a lot of fun. We went through TalkShoe and from there we branched out. I think we took a couple years off and then we tried to get back into it with Vocal. We tried to do live shows on Vocal and we did that for a little bit. We went from Vocal to Spreecast. There's in between Vocal and Spreecast. I'm forgetting the service. Definitely shut down too now. Oh, well, yeah. And that's what happened because these were free services. We're sort of just doing this. We didn't know how serious we were going to be about it. And then once the final service shut down, we just sort of got together and said, hey, is this something we want to do? Is this something that we see ourselves continuing to do? 
And by that point, we had brought in Bree, we had brought in Ash, and that's how the main show sort of formed. We said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We set up our own hosting, we set up the site, and this iteration of the show has been going for about two years now. I think we're coming up on three, because oh, it was wow. around the time when I moved to Texas. So yeah, we're around three years for this version the main show and the main site, Three Fifths Podcast, T H R E E F I F S Podcast.com. We went from just our show, the main show, as we usually call it, because the name of the site and the name of the podcast are the same. We also host Thumbstick Mafia, which is about black women and women of color in gaming and gaming culture. Three different review shows one for Steven Universe, one for Game of Thrones, and one for American Gods. And then Rolling Twelves, which is kind of our new big push and the one that I think me and Justin are really, really excited about, which is kind of what we're here to talk about today, which is our more narrative story focused podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was definitely one of the things that caught my attention is when you mentioned that it was a narrative. And so, of course, I had just come off of my series on narrative style. And so I still have that in my head as I look at things. And so I definitely want to dive in a little bit more to what it is that you're doing. And so can you go into a little bit more about the Rolling Twelves podcast and what you're doing with it more specifically? Well, with Rolling Twelves, so Rolling Twelves started around Halloween. Eric and I had this idea we wanted to do something special for Halloween, but we didn't want to just do like reviews of scary movies or scary books. We wanted to create something. So Eric recommended, well, why don't we do a tabletop RP of Vampire the Requiem? And he would be the game master. And we grabbed, it was myself and three other women of color, three other black women, Shantae from Bear Man Red Lipstick, Cece, who does the Game of Thrones recaps with us, and Asia, who's the creator of Thumbstick Mafia. So he created this world of a vampire court in Houston. And it's sort of this, it's a mix of urban fantasy with a little bit of political drama in the background as these newly minted vampires sort of navigate the new world. And it was a way for not just introducing the players to this new world, but the audience as well. So the player characters are sort of the surrogate to exploring and navigating this brand new world. And we did that for Halloween. We had a lot of fun with it. And we said, well, what else can we do with it? So from there, we transitioned to using the fake core system. We built our own rule set and we kept the world relatively the same, but we just built it with a brand new rule set and allowed us to focus more on the narrative and less on the math and the dice rolls, the gameplay and the dice rolls and Random number of Jesus still play a role in the storytelling, but now it allows us to focus more on the storytelling and we don't have to take as many breaks between action scenes of, okay, this dice means this, we got to go this on the character sheet. It's far more streamlined and we have a lot of fun doing it. And from there we said, okay, what else can we do? So now we're finding other tabletop games we can do. Earlier last year, around January, February, we recorded a Fiasco playthrough. Fiasco is an improv tabletop game where based on dice rolls you're given a random scenario you have to act out these different scenes and we just sort of see what happens from there and what sprawls out and it's a lot of fun it's, it's reminiscent of whose line and the other sort of improv shows improv mm-hmm. programs you may have seen and we had a lot of fun doing it we got a lot of positive feedback from it as well yeah and i want to say fiasco generally but not always kind of centers on that idea of a heist gone wrong, some kind. It's the central idea is that you have an odd hodgepodge of characters who are thrown together in some type of fiasco. And then kind of what 
resultingly spirals out of that and it kind of forces you to go around and then improv the scenes between your characters to get to your next point or to find out the resolution. And so it was definitely a lot of awkwardness, but people really seemed to enjoy it. And I know we had a lot of fun. It generally leads to a fiasco. So you guys basically just recording yourselves as you play the game and that's it. Or is there more to the podcast than that? Or generally we sit first and record either the entire, if we can, we would like to record the entire session in one go depending on setup time, pre-conversation, that kind of thing. You may have to split it into two or the Hollow's Eve one actually took like three different sessions to fully record everything. But after that, generally, we like to cut out as much of the dead air, dice rolling, all that kind of thing to narrow it down as tightly on the actual story as we can. And then afterward in post, we actually go through and kind of lay in some sound effects as we can for Hallow's Eve. The ambiance and the atmosphere are a bit of a character, which Justin and the other players realize towards the end. So you kind of have that sound in the background. We'd lay in different music and sound effects to kind of give it that greater atmosphere and feel and to be more evocative of that kind of old-timey radio drama. So it's probably the most post-production intensive shows we do. Generally, a lot of our shows are much more conversational, much more okay. Let's get rid of any dead air. Let's remove any parts that people said something that didn't really come off well or it was really off topic. So let's pull it out and then release it for most of our shows. So this is one where we really have to go through and make some harder cuts as well as add in background music, background sound effects, that kind of thing. So is there any particular place that you're getting your sound effects and music things from? So just try to get an idea of resources that people might be able to utilize for their own if they decide to try to get some more more stuff. I know there's a lot of places out there. Yes, for the portions that I have done, I primarily went to Incomptech. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. They host a lot. Oh, my goodness. The term is escaping me at the moment. Creative Commons. So Kevin McLeod, I may be slaughtering his name, does a lot of work basically creating Creative Commons or freely licensable music that can be used for movies, television shows, podcasts. And he releases a lot of it with only an attribution license. So as long as you put in the show and in your credits, it's his music, he made it, and this is where you can find it, then you can use it for free for whatever endeavors you want, whether that is a free or a paid-for endeavor. I, you'd have to give me a second to recall where we got the sound effects from, but it was another similar site where people will create their own sound effects or record different natural events and then put those up for attribution. So as long as you put in your credits that, hey, I got this piece of this gunshot, this storm, this door closing for this person on this site, then they will allow you to use that for whatever your endeavors may be. And now some of them, it has to be a 
free endeavor, so you can't make any money off of it. Other ones allow you to use things, whether you're making money or not. And it's really great resources. Resource, I really recommend people check them out. And if you can support them, because especially for like podcasting, they're very important resources for people to be able to put together quality, professional sounding shows on what in some cases are no budget. Yeah, interesting. So that's sort of the approach we took with this because we don't have like the resources of a studio podcast production or a sponsored podcast production. We're doing a lot of this either out of pocket or at risk. So any open source uh, resources we can find or any creative commons resources we can find, we definitely we'd use them. We definitely try to give them all the credit and all the shout outs that we can. But that's what the process we went through with finding all these different sounds and resources. We just looked said, OK, what is out there that we can use that doesn't require license that we can use the Creative Commons license for. Mm-hmm. Freesound.org, F-R-E-E-S-O-U-N-D.org is the one where we got most of the sound effects for the first iteration, Hollow's Eve, and then Incomtech, I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both great resources that people should check out. And like I said, support if you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just went and checked that. I heard of Freestyle before, but I haven't heard of Income Tech. So I appreciate that. I always like being able to find different resources to be able to get different music. Because sometimes if you just stick with one, you can end up like draining the resources or whatever, or you get through it all. And it's like, yeah, I can't find anything new, blah, blah, blah. So it's always good to be able to have additional places that you can be able to look to be able to find maybe that perfect sound or the perfect music that you're trying to look for. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely make sure to have those resources in the show notes for people to be able to check out and grab. And so it definitely sounds like you guys are doing some really cool things with podcasts and I guess with the whole network of things that you're doing with podcasting. And so is there anything else that you'd like to add? Maybe something that you guys tried that maybe it worked. Maybe you think that would be interesting to talk about and share with the audience. Uh, Interesting things. Creating a narrative from scratch. That has been an experience. Normally with podcasting, for our main shows and our other shows, our approaches, we gather topics, we research topics, we compile show notes and sort of what points we'd like to make. And then we go from there. Writing something from scratch and determining what you want your narrative to be, for me at least, has been an experience. I have to decide what story I want to tell. I have to decide what my overarching themes are going to be. And then I also have to add in the element of, What if my principal characters don't do what I think they should do for the story to progress? That's always an interesting thing. With tabletop gaming, Dungeons and Dragons, Vampire the Requiem, Fate, whatever, you may have a story arc in your head and you may have a betrayal or something that you feel will be a player punch in the story, but that entirely depends on how you feel and how the characters receive it. They may not receive it the way that you intended them to receive it, or they may go a different route entirely and do something that you hadn't planned for. So in addition to creating this overarching scope narrative you also have to build in contingencies for but what if my players do this or what if my players do this or what if my actors don't even go down this path what if they offer me a different solution so it's being able to adapt move on the fly change your story on the fly and also trying to guess how your players are going to react as you play with them you can sort of gauge how they behave in certain situations you can gauge what buttons to push You can gauge, okay, this person tends to do more heroic things so I can play on that. This person is more aloof and trying to be too cool for school so I can play off of that. It's fun and it's different from just a traditional writing, something where you can control every aspect. Now you only can control the setting and hope that 
your principal characters react the way that you intended them to. I know when we did our first one, we frustrated Eric to no end because we constantly did the one thing he hadn't counted on us doing. Hmm. Yes, you all did. I don't want to give it away because I'd like for people to go listen to it and potentially kind of guess where it was that they really were just like, I was doing everything I could to signal what they should do and they just were not picking up on it. But it is one of the... More fun and more challenging elements of this is that you build this story, you build kind of this sprawling world or narrative, and they get a lot of choice as to what it is they do and where they go. So while you do have that kind of thread of that audio, that scripted audio drama where you're kind of taking people through a story, there's also that element of, but at any time, the characters could just kind of veer off the track, and then it's your job as the game master to kind of either steer them back onto the track or kind of lay new track just in front of them and lay it in such a way that they don't necessarily figure out, oh, there was never any track here. You just started laying all this down when we decided to turn down this alley instead of going to the meeting or we decided that we don't want to go talk to this character. We don't want to approach this problem from the obvious direction we want to go around the back of the building we want to try to intimidate a person and you kind of just have to roll with those in a way that if you were just doing straight scripted storytelling those kind of organic or surprise moments wouldn't necessarily happen and so that's kind of been interesting from the back-end perspective and i think in many ways it makes a better story for everyone else to listen to because there is that additional excitement of well one of the big things that's been big about game of thrones is the fact that every character is at risk because you know any character messes up makes a wrong move a wrong turn the story is not going to just be forgiving and let them go characters who you like may not make it and so that's also an element in these stories if they make bad decisions and roll poorly, then their character could die. And that's just where their character's story ends. We haven't really discussed what we would do if someone's character didn't make it. So I don't know if they would just be out for the rest of that playthrough, if we would have them roll a new one. I guess it's something we should plan for. Like, so we definitely said death is on the table. We just have no plan for what happens after they die. (laughs) So that we're going to have to discuss. But I do think it keeps the narrative interesting when you know your principles are at risk. You know that they're not always going to get out of a situation. Mm -hmm. I think that just makes for better storytelling and it keeps the audience engaged. Like, it's boring to know that, okay, Superman is always going to win. But now you've introduced this element of, but what if Superman doesn't win? What if this is something that he can't get out of? Or what if this is something that he'll get through, but he loses something precious to him? Right. Like that, that's what makes these things compelling. Like watching the good guy triumph is satisfying. But if that's the only thing you're getting, then it's not a complete experience. But if you're watching them satisfy over adversity, if you're watching them overcome loss, or if you're watching them snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, that's compelling. It's not just satisfying. It's compelling as well. And that's what we're trying to create. We're trying to create compelling stories. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like kind of Justin said, that idea of stakes where, you know, knowing the character, the principles are at risk. It gives it a sense of stakes, knowing that they could 
lose things also gives it stakes. Like the stakes don't always have to be death, but it could be their loss of social standing. It could be that they're going to lose a particular item or access to something that is very important or precious to this character. And that sense that no real things could be lost that are important to them even in success kind of gives it that more satisfying sense of even realness that even if it's not that a character is going to die, it's that the character could lose something important to them or, you know, could lose some degree of standing. Like it's not kind of the standard sitcom where by the end of the episode, everything is basically the same as the beginning of the episode or by the next episode, the world is basically reset and everything's okay again. It's that idea that, no, when that building blew up, it blew up. And now you have to deal with the consequences of that going forward so that even if it's not a stakes of, you know, someone dying, that there are still impacts and things that have meaning and things that will be forever changed based on the decisions they made and giving that a real feeling of weight. I like it. I like it. Sounds really very interesting. And so... I definitely think that there's a lot of things that people could be able to take away from. Definitely worth a listen for people to go and listen. And even if they're not into all the gaming, definitely sounds like they can be able to learn a lot about being able to put some things together. And I mean, it almost gives me an idea. I mean, you can take almost anything that you're doing in real life and be able to translate it into a podcast and be able to have some fun with it as well. So this was a cool conversation. I definitely appreciate you guys taking the time to jump on here and be able to talk about what you're doing and things like that. And so as we close up here, why don't you go ahead and give us maybe where we can find everything the best one more time. And then if you guys have any closing remarks, you can find all of our content at three fistpodcast.com T H R E E F I F S podcast.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Google play any of those, if you search three fifths podcast, T H R E E F I F S or rolling twelves, R O L L I N G S, the number one, the number two S, you can find both of those feeds on generally any of your favorite pod catching devices, as well as three fifths for all of our content. You can follow us on Twitter at the number three fifths podcast. You can follow me at AYRYK, Justin at LJ90. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's episode of Podcasting Experiments from the Creative Studio. If you found this podcast helpful or interesting, please share it with a friend. Detailed show notes can be found on the website at podcastingexperiments.com. Podcasting Experiments is a production of Podcast Guy Media, LLC at podcastguymedia.com.